0: Welcome to Mercy Unwrapped. I'm your host, Christine Franklin of CatholicGrandma.com. Today my very special guest is Andrew. Andrew is a young Canadian who found his way into the Catholic Church because of homosexuality. Same-sex attractions and transgender inclinations are a part of his story, and in his pursuit of trying to understand himself, he was drawn into questioning what the world was putting forth. Andrew came to realize that the Catholic Church offered much more than what the world was offering and he desired to learn more. Andrew is a member of Courage, a ministry to persons who experience same-sex attraction. He has published numerous articles at chastityproject.com. Andrew, welcome to Mercy Unwrapped.
1: Hey there, how you doing?
0: It's good to have you here today. (laughs) Up from Canada. How's your weather? We've got snow.
1: Oh, we have snow, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I got
0: believe. a great uh, quote here from Pope Francis. <clears throat> he says, Pope Francis writes that we need to constantly contemplate the mystery of mercy. It is a wellspring of joy, serenity, and peace, and our salvation depends on it. Andrew, please share with us your story of God's mercy.
1: Mm. <laughs> um. Okay, well, it's awesome. God poured out his mercy and here I am. There you go. Um, just kidding. There's way much more to it. Um, you know, I had never, ever, ever planned that I would be here right now. You know, I had these grand grand dreams of what life might be, but man, God permit me to take some crazy turns and I'm so grateful, so grateful to be here right now. Um, you know, return back to the Catholic Church and and striving to live in a state of grace, and just, just out of the way I used to like be, away from the way I used to be living, and I can't even put that into words more, um, that I can't even put that into words how grateful I am. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so what about my story? Hey, I guess uh, um, I'll just I'll just start real quick at the beginning here. Like, I'm I guess I'm one of those people. Like right from the very beginning of my life, I always remember um, daydreaming. And you know, wondering like, oh, what would it be like to be a girl? Uh, from my earliest memories, I I imagined and I daydreamed that I should be a girl or I could be a girl, and um, I you know, that's just the way I was. That's just my my memories and stuff like that. And um, and I didn't really express it. I mean, how is a little three year old gonna express that? You know, like I just I don't think I even think about, thought about it. I think I just kind of you know just lived my life. You know. And um and then as I got a little older I started um noticing that I, I did a lot of the girl things. I maybe it was the way I identified, like I, I remember I always took like the girl's name when we played Prices right at daycare and um <laughs> it was it was I mean, we had fun, you know, but it was like I just in retrospect I noticed that I always took like I identified with the girl, the girl cartoon character or anything like that, you know? And um <laughs> Everything again was just fine. It was just how life was. I was playing with the girls at recess mostly. I had my very special pair of pink Airwalk shoes, and I was really good at skipping, jump, you know, jump rope and stuff like that. Probably the best boy in grade two who could do that. And I just really liked it. I don't know if it was just a personality match or something or what, but um, you know, I, I would talk to anybody first of all. But when it came to like hanging out and spending time, I just really felt closer or or more at ease with with the ladies and stuff like that um the, the when I was in grade 2 shortly after that point i remember in grade 3 our teacher showed us a really scary movie and i was petrified and i remember i was sitting beside one of my one of my guy friends and you know as a as a 7 or 8 year old or whatever i was i remember cuddling up into him and kind of having my fear taken away like i was petrified this was a scary movie for me and I just felt safe. I felt safe. It's not like he, like, brought me into his arms or anything like that. He just, you know, I just I just kind of nuzzled up and I felt safe. And I guess when you're eight years old and, and retrospectively, you know, think about that, it's like, gee, I wonder... Um, I wonder. I wonder if I'm gay. Those were the thoughts that I was. I was coming back to later, but at the time, all I remembered is that I really liked it. I really liked the fact that I felt safe in, you know, with the protection of of a man, so to so to speak. I mean, we were kids at the time, but that's what it was, right? Mm-hmm. And so these are the kind of things that laid the tracks down for my life, right? And, and just this general uh, passive, more feminine kind of, uh, you know, stereotypical. Oh, I don't want to say stereotypical. What I mean is like more. Uh, what the world would identify as more feminine and then also with the attractions now and and nothing was sexualized yet. You see, like I was before the age of, 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 sexual awakening. And another big thing that happened shortly after this is that when I was in grade four, I'll never forget this. My best friend, my like best, best, best friend moved away far, far away. And I wasn't able to, we weren't able to say goodbye. And so I remember my heart was broken. I cried for days and days and days. Again, it wasn't sexualized or anything. It just, it just was. We were kids, right? And this is, of course, the days before, like, Facebook and all that stuff. And I don't, I don't even know how I'd find the guy right now. Like, I've tried looking him up on Facebook. Like, hey, man, how's it going? Can't find him. I thought so maybe, I don't know. Maybe I don't know how to spell his name or something like that. But it would be nice. But anyway, I remember after that point, just, just, just intentionally, like, like, Putting putting myself at a little distance, I, was, I didn't want to relive that pain on the heart. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was so deep. I mean, I, I I don't I've never cried for days about anything except that. <laughs> I remember that. Um. Anyway, after this, I I I had I I had sort of started to go into a little bit of a cave. I still talked to people and stuff, but I didn't let people get as close. And then what happened is I got exposed to pornography. Like boom. <laughs> I was uh, there was a television show on, like, an after-dinner TV show. It's called Hard Copy. I don't know if you remember that one. And there was a feature on Russian strippers. And I don't know why that needed to be on at, like, you know, 6 p.m. on a school day. Um, but anyway, they showed a lot of stuff on that. And I remember, like, being like, oh, my gosh, like, what's that? And uh, I, I had my sexual awakening, and I, I got a high like none other. And I, I remember spending basically the, every day for the, the next – she's nine the next 25 years effectively trying to relive that first high right it's wow. like it, it, yeah and and that directed my 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 relationships it directed how the type of things i got involved in just anything any chance i could to you know to uh relive that high if you know what i'm saying
0: so you know what can i i just want to say something right here because i'm you, so you were nine years old when you saw that on tv
1: Nine years old, yeah. Nine,
0: okay, so, and it was you weren't watching quote-unquote porn. It was no, just no. a television show that had inappropriate material on it, and you were a very little boy, and all of a sudden, boom. I just, you know, if any parents that are listening, pay attention.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know what? This is in the 90s. Like, can you imagine the, the yeah. garbage that's on TV yeah. now? Yeah. Every single yeah. thing that's on TV could be a trigger for your kids. I just hope people yeah. can look up and, you know. yeah. That thank you, matters.
0: thank you for for mentioning that because I think it's really an important point. So, you so from the time you were nine, you were looking for that, you were looking for that surge again. For, oh yeah, a, you know, okay.
1: Yeah, uncontrollably, wow. uncontrollably. And you said um, for twenty five years. Well, yeah, I mean, I was a porn addict. I mean, that that led to the full fledged porn addiction. Well, I'll get to that. Later. Okay. Okay. But yeah, like honestly, I mean, I'm thirty five. I'm like holy moly, like twenty, well, twenty four, twenty five years of this stuff like that's almost my entire life i had no idea that it just like gets like got sucked out of my life like that but it it totally literally consumed me for so long it, it's crazy um so anyway like you know i i gravitated like in in the pursuit of trying to, to get that high again i i looked for anything i could find like images of you know what anything like that and of course i landed on like the good old like weekend flyers that came with the newspaper right and of course things would get kind of racy in there sometimes you know, for a nine year old to see, but I mean, it's just regular stuff. We're talking like the lingerie flyers and stuff that would come, um, you know, with different companies and stuff like that. Or or, you know, just just the underwear stuff. Uh huh. wasn't I mean, we're talking Walmart here. I'm not talking about getting like a weekly Victoria's secret or anything like that. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um but uh I just I would just use anything I could. And I remember one day just being I remember one day just being bored of it, and I was kind of, you know, trying to. I'll put it this way: I was, I was at home by myself, looking at this stuff, trying to, you know, get the high from it. And uh, I just said to myself, "I'm gay." And the reason I said that is because I remember looking at the page and being like, "This stuff doesn't, uh, it doesn't really interest me." Like, and so the conclusion I had made in my mind, as a, as, a, as a, I was I think I was eleven years old at the time, is, is that I'm not attracted to women anymore. And so when, when an eleven year old boy goes through that thought, like what do you think is going to go through his head, right? Oh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Like of course the alternative was thinking, well I guess you know, I think I'm gay. Like I mean what else could what else could be the case, right? Of course I know now that uh, you know the, the the neurochemistry behind pornography addiction and the pursuit of the 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 pursuit of um you know the pursuit of that and how it yeah, you, you know like it, you, it just gets boring. It's not enough to get you know it's not enough to get high off of it anymore so I was just literally bored of it my yeah. brain wasn't getting high off it anymore and I mean that's I, I know that's going to happen to a lot of other kids too and they, they need to know like that doesn't make someone gay or straight it just means you've got a problem and and I mean I'm not afraid to say that to be like looking at pornography is like a neurochemistry disaster and it it can ruin relationships it ruined every one of my relationships so far um and I'm I'm intent by the way, I'm intent to not let it ruin uh, this last relationship because uh I took a, about it, okay, like fast forward to right now right here. I, I took about it ten years off of any serious relationships like a straighten out my life and just kind of like uh okay, I I didn't mean straighten out like, you know, go from gay to straight. <laughs> <laughs> what I meant was like kinda kinda put God, learn to put God back first in my life is what I'm trying to say. And um he d- has blessed me with um A relationship with somebody we're pursuing a holy sexuality together she (laughs) she is a beautiful uh i'll put it this way she's the love of my life and i know that god brought us together because there's no way in hell that we would have gotten together on our own accord uh god showed poured out his mercy on that i mean like we met six years ago and and I can't believe it that like he would bring us back together, and we actually just got engaged about uh, a month ago to the day. How about oh, that? Well,
0: congratulations!
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, that was a little aside. <laughs> what I'm yes. saying is that <laughs> I, God cleaned me up out of pornography about two two years ago, and and that was it. And I'll get to why that how that happened later. Um, but but I knew that needed to happen before I could ever have a, a good holy relationship, right? And man, the Lord blesses us. I can't believe it. Like, I mean, I mean, what's not to believe? I should just always put my trust in him instead of myself. I mean, I don't know. I hope you can hear the joy in my voice. I I hear I'm just running around with my story here. But like, uh, yeah, God is good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can definitely hear the joy and you're you're doing fine. (laughs)
1: Okay, cool. (laughs) So anyway. Yeah. So this happened. um, uh, I was using this stuff. I said, I'm gay. I don't know what's going on here. And um, I was 11 years old. And I just sort of internalized that. I didn't, um, I don't even know if I'm picking up at the right spot. Anyway, I internalized that and I just sort of kind of kept it on the back burner, right? But everything from my earlier years kind of started to make sense to me and it sort of was like, okay, well, maybe that explains why I, like, I liked huddling up to my guy friend when I, we were watching the movie. Maybe that's why I dreamed that I was a girl. Now, of course, I didn't realize that you know transgender inclinations or what the world would call it, that um, and sexual attractions were really different things at the time. I know there's there's lots of clarifications there, but uh, I just saw it all as one big thing. Like I'm different, okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and I got to figure out what the heck's going on. Um, anyway, so a- a- as the years went by, I remember. Uh, so this was grade four, five. I was eleven, so grade six that, around then. And that's about when I really started noticing that my the same sex peers in my school really started like pulling ahead of me in I would say ways socially like this could be due to the choices I made to distance myself so I wouldn't get hurt you know and um, I really wanted what they had they had this popularity and you know just this social savvy that I just didn't have um, and I began to long for that and I think I kind of idolized them a little bit of what you know well, what it could be you know like or how come how come I'm not like man enough to have what they have or all that kind of stuff. So my ideal of man at that early age was obviously not me. I didn't embody what I what I understood to be what a, a guy should be at the time, you know. And of course, it didn't help that like you know I, I, people would say to me, "Oh, you should be a girl. Look at those beautiful long eyelashes, right?" So I mean, like that those comments further they didn't confuse me per se but what they did was they they continued to water or like nurture the seed in my heart that maybe I actually was supposed to be a girl like maybe my compliment was supposed to be a boy you know Mm -hmm. because I mean like you know like your compliment you start looking for people who can who can bring to you like you know like who you'd be a good match with who you'd like to be and so yeah I I like virtually idolize these kids and I uh, or the, these boys and and you know we we played and stuff like that. But deep down in my heart, I really wanted to be them, you know. And I I didn't know else how to express that other than to just you know hang out and then feel <laughs> feel empty and lost when they you know they when we drifted apart so to speak. So anyway, that's that was my peer stuff. Oh my gosh! And uh, earlier on, like I was I was I got teased a lot too. Uh, I can't remember some of the things that like led up to the teasing, but um i did i do remember getting teased and, and horribly teased and, and embarrassed and and that caused a lot of anxiety and that just further further kind of triggered my uh, spiral to you know into isolation right and isolation kills I mean, isolation totally kills especially when you're dealing with pornography addiction you know what i mean um isolation <laughs> is so bad um so yeah, all these things were at work you know. And in high school, so I mean you know get fast forward a bit i always kind of had a couple of guy friends and stuff like that and in high school i I started to just kind of like i i really started to begin to embrace like my femininity. It's really hard to explain like i i um i was not like you know buff or anything like that right <laughs> and and but but i had i had a <laughs> i had a history of 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 athleticism right so i had I had the curves and stuff like that, believe it or not, like muscular curves. And so I was like, ooh, I kind of actually have like kind of like a womanly kind of body. And I kind of ran with that actually and uh, really took secret pride in that. And that's when I discovered uh, cross-dressing too, right? And I was like – and that became such a huge escape from like the anxiety that I didn't want to address or that I couldn't – it was like a holiday, right? And I mean a holiday from reality. And it was basically it wasn't so much getting me high like like pornography was, but it, it was a high in the sense that it totally took me away from all the problems of my heart and everything like that. And remember at this time, like I had reasonably low self-esteem and, and I I basically thought that nobody would ever want me or love me, you know, mm-hmm. and and then that that stuff is horrible. I, and I'm sure a lot of listeners could understand that. Right. And yeah. and of course, the worst, even worse than that is I had nobody to talk to or I perceived I had nobody to talk to I just didn't know that I could talk about things with anybody so here I am dealing with all this stuff by myself thinking I'm gay every kind of signal and sign is telling me that hey you know like this is who you are clearly you're gay it probably didn't help that as a teenager I actually was sexually abused by a male and so you know and the, the crazy thing about that like I have I've forgiven this guy I don't even know who he is actually it's a long story but uh, I I finally, after like 10 years of like holding this in, I was able to forgive this guy. Thank God, you know, all glory be to God for that. Um, but, uh, my body physiologically responded, if you know what I mean. And so I was scared, I was scared. And here I have this reaction in my body and I'm thinking to myself, like, Oh my God, like, what, what, I'm gay. Like, I am gay. Like, look at look what's going on in my body. I remember just trembling and just like, I took myself to like the, a faraway place where I wouldn't have to kind of like be present in the room when it was happening. And I felt really guilty about this later. I'm like, why well, I could have just punched him out or something like that. But I had already been like, been like brought to be a very passive person, right? So my reaction to difficulty was to just, you know what, I'm just going to just kind of like just, just freeze and just it'll just finish. It will pass. It'll be over soon, right? So that's how I responded to it. Anyway, this guy did his thing, and uh, I was scared to death. Well, not scared to death, but I was just scared, you know. And and I was like surprised and shocked that I had this um, this re- response in my body. Of course, my brain thought, "Oh my God, I'm gay" and all that stuff. And it brought back just from my past. So it kind of served to validate, like quote validate quote all these other memories about what I should be and who I am and stuff like that. But what. What I realized today is that my body was just doing its job in response to touch. I have nerve endings, and they function properly, apparently. (laughs) So I was scared. I mean, and any guy listening knows that sometimes that thing's got a mind of its own, right? You could brush up against a cactus, and you could still, you know, have a reaction. Sometimes that's just the way it is. (laughs) <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. is true you know um but anyway so i, I was I, I left that place and i knew that life had changed forever because now not only was i dealing with you know like the maybe like you know maybe i'm gay and i can just you know kind of run from this but now i'm like man like what kind of confirmations do i need like this is like per- to me this was proof positive right and here's the thing. So at this point in time, like, you know, I said, I I was already exposed to porn when I was nine, right? I had started to get sexually active many years before this in my early, early teens. And, uh, I was getting, you know, I was getting bored of the women I was using and I, you know, God forgive me for the people I hurt in this journey, but, um, I was getting bored of them and I was, I was starting to go through them like water, right? So living very unchastely, right? And I remember when I left this place where this uh, sexual abuse happened, I just knew that like, the only way I could, could like face this because I for, well I didn't want to face it that's the thing like I I wanted to run from it I wasn't ready to face this reality that I might be gay that's how I was thinking at the time gay straight right um, I wasn't ready to face this so I just decided to uh, run and run faster and and run faster and faster and faster and that caused me well that didn't cause me I chose. I made the decision to to engage in many more unchaste activities at a v- much higher rate, like 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 speed, I guess, um, higher velocity. Uh, oh, that sounds so terrible. But I used women more and more and more. Everything just launched into hyperspeed, um, just to try to run from my reality. Right, I was running, and of course, then then I discovered online pornography, and then man, like my my pornography addiction just exploded, and it was insane, and and. Um, if people only knew the dangers that are one click away from your child, you know, yeah, yeah, one yeah. click, yeah, you yeah. can't unsee things. There's things, there's things that I have seen that I wish I could unsee and I can't. And I know that, like, for example, like, say I have got, I've got a fiancé now. When I close my eyes, by the grace of God, those visions that I, those, those, those things that I've seen that are etched in my mind, they are etched in the inside of my eyelid. those things are, are being blotted out one by one by the grace of God, by, by prayer. But let me tell you, they're still there. And I know that the devil likes to use those sort of things and to tempt me into uh, other types of activity and stuff like that. And it's a daily struggle. And I know it will be a struggle every day for the rest of my life to to say, you know what, uh, Satan, go away. You know, um, angels are more powerful than us. And I think that realization really changed my life. It really got me down to pray and tried to do a rosary yeah. every day.
0: Yeah. Well, Andrew, we got about four minutes left. Um, I'm wondering if you could talk about how you... You had mentioned before we were visiting uh, about a child. And um, I thought you might want to mention that. And uh, you had said you did. And also, how you got back to the church.
1: Oh, this is perfect. Perfect timing. Here we go. Well, anyway, I, I moved way up north. And I was struggling with everything and then I finally kinda came out to myself again. So this is like this is this is my mid to late twenties. I came out again because I was using this porn, like I was using online and same sex porn and transgender porn and cross dressing porn. I was crazy porn. And I was like, I can't run from myself anymore. I have to just say this is who I am. And so I did. I came out a second time. And then shortly after, like we're talking days, I went to church. Now I hadn't gone to church much in a while, except to please you know, my parents and stuff. And um father from the pulpit actually invited us to learn more about the topic of homosexuality. And here I thought I knew everything there was to know, like you're born that way, 10% of people are gay, like all that kind of stuff. So I went home and I read and I read and I read and I learned that everybody's got something to say about this and everybody thinks they're right and everybody out there, virtually everybody out there wants me to say, take on this identity. And say that being gay is who you are, and and just gotta respect my story. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be the gay kid, you get picked on, all that kind of stuff, right? And so what I realized is that these guys were trying to get me to claim an identity, and I was like, wait a second, I get to choose. I get to choose how I see myself. That that belongs to me. And I know with the advent of like. Caitlyn Jenner br- uh, Bruce Jenner guy I mean everybody knows you do get a, you do get to choose how to perceive yourself and so I was like you know what I am going to I'm going to break from this narrative that the world is pressing on me saying that I have to say I'm gay instead I'm going to say no no I I don't want to embrace that identity I'm going to just be a person and I'm going to be a person who can be honest with myself about the existence of the attractions I experience it's, it's, it's as simple as distinguishing um, manslaughter from first degree murder it's kind of morbid but but manslaughter is not specifically chosen to kill, and first degree murder is a specific choice to kill. Well, you know what? The attractions I experience are not a specific choice. They're not, I mean, there's choices I made that influenced how, like my trust zones and who I would be gravitated towards, but, but I didn't specifically choose them. And, and um, the identity, like how I choose to perceive myself, that is a specific choice. Now, I'm going to tell you something that truth. Shattered, shattered my entire reality into a whole new, le- like a whole new level of understanding. And and I looked for that truth online. Like where was this truth found? And the only place I could find that truth was in the Catholic Church. The only place was in Catholic Church writing. I subsequently also found it in the Orthodox. Church writings as well, but nowhere out in the world were they distinguishing the difference between attractions experienced and identity embraced. And you know why I say attractions experienced instead of attractions that I have is because attractions are fluid. We and everybody knows this in the in the gay community too. You can be one letter one day of the alphabet in that acronym, and you can be something else the next day. Every day that we decide, you know, what our inclinations are or, or how they, they how we choose to express them, that always grows and changes with with how we grow and develop as persons. So mm-hmm. I definitely make sure to make that nuance known. And I found that in the Catholic Church, the last place the world taught me to, taught me to look, and in and, and the short version is that as I began to pursue understanding, I realized, what else don't I know about the Catholic Church? The Catholic Church that I was pushing away... Um, Man, maybe there's more that I don't know. And I began this lifelong journey that started, well, lifelong. It started when I was 27. And it's going to be lifelong. And every single time I dive into it, the Catholic Church has the truth. And I was done embracing lies. I lived my whole life as a lie, trying to be happy. And I was done with it. And the world, all the world did to offer me lies and try to give me this reality. It was centered on this small reduced concept of self saying you're gay or you're straight or somewhere in between and it's like no there's no place for that and there's like there's there's no place for that if you want to look for truth and my narrative about how i found truth in the church and i've come alive in the pursuit of virtue i love jesus christ i can say jesus christ and it's not a swear word anymore i love jesus christ and i can come alive in virtue and totally offer myself to him in joy and and the world the world needs to know that people like me exist i 've come to recognize the attractions distinct from my identity and in my identity i don 't self identify as the gay christian i self identify i don't i self identify as a person a person a beloved uh, little as son of God a beloved brother of christ that 's my identity i 've been able to come to embrace an identity that orders the infinite God above my finite self with with regards to what I put at the very core of my being that is what the church is calling us to. And in that, think about it, the infinite, infinite God can give us more. And he does give me more. He gives me more joy and more purpose and more sense of of well-being. And definitely, I found that belonging in the Catholic church along that pursuit of holiness, along with other virtues as well. And virtue, of course, doesn't just mean monogamy. It means holding up God's law, like what God, uh, upholding what God created and I know that if, for me to do that, I've got to step back from any relationship that, you know, draws me into misusing my sexuality, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that if I, if I do enter a sexual relationship again, it's going to be holy. And therein comes the, the whole story with my fiancé. We're both committed to honoring God's holy design for our bodies. And it took a long time to get here. And God has done a lot of healing on my heart. And as far as the, the, the breaking of the pornography addiction, I'll just tell you, there was some intercession of some saintly people in heaven that were involved. That's all i got time to say. But, but that commitment to holiness can bring a joy, the real love, that I'd never experienced in my life before. All I had before was the counterfeit. And I just wish that people would know that God's love is the real thing. And once you taste it, once you taste it, on that pursuit. No matter how many times you fail in that pursuit, you're going to want to get up and try again, because God's love is greater. God's yeah. love God's love is what fulfills, and that's why we're here today. We're going to be getting married soon, and we're open to family, and, and just the way that God gr- graces us, we have no idea, but the fact that, you know what, she said to me one day, you know, I came back to the cross, and I found you, and you know what I told her too? The whole reason that I came, I found her too, is because I, I brought my broken self to the bottom of the cross and, and kneeled there every night. And I knew that my future spouse would be there. If I looked to my left or right, if there was a spouse in God's plan for me, she would be there. And you know what? She was. Oh, God bless. Okay? That's God's really, amazing.
0: Really, that's really beautiful. Uh, you know, um, I think your your passion and your joy are really I can just it, it, just I can feel it, you know, through the through the internet here as we're speaking and um what I also feel in your story is that you were you were like a slave. Oh, and yeah. um you were a uh, you were a slave and there's I think there's a lot of people out there who are enslaved and God has made you free, Andrew, and and wow. <laughs>
1: He has made free. How Absolutely. does it feel to
0: be free after all those years of oh being God. enslaved? Uh,
1: I bet you the only people who truly know are the people who have tasted it. Tasted the yeah. slavery, tasted the freedom. You, you cannot be put into words, human words, as far as I'm concerned, like the fullness of the joy that's just bursting forth from my heart, you know? And I, I look back at my journey and, and uh, you know, it wasn't pretty, but here I am today, and that's what matters.
0: Yeah, that is what matters. I I love that saying that there's no such thing as a a, a saint without a past. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no such thing as a sinner without a future. You know, Absolutely. and you, you're totally a testimony to that, to that truth. And God bless you, and and bless you and your fiance and your life together and your your witness. It's um it's really uh, astonishing. It's completely counter to the the cultural. Uh, message that's out there and I hope that a lot of people hear and appreciate this thank you so much uh, for your honesty and for your vulnerability Andrew,
1: (laughs) it's a pleasure I just I hope even if one person can hear this and have their heart convicted for the love of the Lord I mean uh, all glory be to God
0: yep yep (laughs) if you experience same-sex attraction please take a look at CourageRC.org or watch the online film, Desire of the Everlasting Hills, found at everlastinghills.org. If you need prayer for any reason, pop over to my website, catholicgramma.com, and leave a prayer request. You can leave it anonymously, and I will pray for you. Mercy Unwrapped is produced by Efrain Ramos. Find him at fiverr.com forward slash Ramos. God bless you richly, and remember that no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what your battle, no matter where your heart is right now, Jesus is near.